everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We got a, we really have a great show today. Um, uh, I mean, we have we, a great show every week. I just want to say that's because I'm here. Yeah, that would be why. actually when you're not here, the show is great too. That's BS, and you mm-hmm. know it. I call BS, but I do want to thank uh, our relatively new sponsors: Profish, The Point, out at Buzzard Point, Tony and Joe's, Nick's Riverside Grill, and Ivy City Smokehouse. All Greg Caston properties for sponsoring the show. Yeah, that's absolutely. great. Thanks, Greg. Do you have anything you want to say before we get going? No, it was just a really exciting week this week. Um, I was out of town for a bit in the Virginia wine country, checking out Crimson Lane Vineyards, which were here in studio, and Ovacola Farms, which are coming into studio next week. There's so much going out in that area. And I also went to Tremello, which is Jared Slip's restaurant out in Middleburg, uh, and it also winds up on Washingtonians 100 uh, top. And I was home with our dogs. Yes, you were. You were doing nothing. Damn. And I was out. All right. Sound right. All right. So, so uh, we always have a drink segment on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I should start off by saying we have two really terrific hospitality properties represented on the show today, along with Jess Sidman from um, uh, Washingtonian Magazine. But um, folks from the Jefferson Hotel are here. They have a signature restaurant called The Greenhouse and a terrific bar program at Quill. Uh, bartender Katie Dandridge is here. She's going to take charge of the drink segment. She's um, getting ready to pop some champagne. <laughs> and also joining us is uh, Chef Fabio Salvatore, who runs the signature restaurant there, Greenhouse. <laughs> we'll be talking to him later. Um, and Meredith Craig is here as well to talk about, yeah. The hotel. The whole, the She's whole property. Here too. Uh, and I, if you don't know who Jessica Sidman is, you better, right? <laughs> she says yes. She covers the people and the trends behind the food and wine scene here in D.C., uh, and Washingtonian Magazine, which is her home base, has just released its list of the top 100 best restaurants, uh, the very best, in D.C., and we're going to— Go through it. Come on, we're gonna get go to through the rest. It. As I mentioned, Chef Fabio Salvatore is here. We're going we're gonna to focus on him and what he's doing in the kitchen at Greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And Jessica Rose is the director of SPA at the Waldorf Astoria, Washington, D.C., if you don't know that D.C. now has a Waldorf Astoria, it's the former hotel down in the in the pavilion. We do not say the name, his name. Right, it's like Baltimore. No, we don't say his name, but it's a fabulous property, and um, uh, Jessica's going to, you know. No. Yeah, Jessica and I are going to talk about the spa treatment. Nikki had a spa. Had I had a, a spa day. Again, fabulous. what did I do? I picked her up when she was done. Yes, that, it's true. That sucks. But anyways, um, <laughs> so Katie Dandridge, let's talk to you first about Quill and... And all of that. Woo! Let's get the party started, Katie. She knows how to do radio. <laughs> so Quill is considered really one of the most like beautiful bars in the area. Um, you know, the 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 Jefferson has sort of this uh, storied history. And Quill was redone like what, like 10 or 12 years ago? Yeah, 12 was, years ago. Yeah, and it was mm-hmm. relaunched. So tell us a little bit about the program there. Yeah, so um, we hire a really creative staff of bartenders. All of us are um, tasked with designing a new seasonal cocktail menu for um, each sort of season and holiday. Um, we actually have our... Um, our love menu coming up for mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. Ooh, love menu. I know. <laughs> I feel like Barry White. Mm, See, exactly. 
Um, but really, we just try to make it really fun. Um, we're in a really upscale hotel, but we try to be like the fun, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more casual. It's like well, walking to someone's living day, room. It is booze. It is so booze. Let's, you know. You're going to relax a little bit. You're going right. to take that tie off. A little well, bit. I wonder how many of the stuffed shirts that walk through the front door loosen up plenty. A lot. Quilt. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So how Yeehaw. do you, you have a background in wine? I do have a background in wine. But I'm yeah, a born and raised Californian and mm-hmm. wine is amazing and great and I love it so much, but the bar is just darn fun. So... You get a different vibe, a different energy. You get different people. People are looking for different things. Everyone has their favorite bartender, mm-hmm. and I want to be that favorite bartender. So, oh, I yeah. love that. Okay, so what do we? What do we? All start right, with? so we're starting off with uh, my Cherie Amour. Um, mm-hmm. This is uh, play on a French seventy-five, a little more traditional routes. Um, so it's uh, taking some cognac, a little Saint Germain, keep it nice and floral, citrus in there, a little simple syrup, keep it nice and balanced, and then Palo Cortado is um, a really lovely aged sherry. It's got some nutty walnut notes, a little vinegar to it. So anyone that wants something that's not too sweet, um, not too like bold in alcohol, this is kind of a nice get the party started, get some bubbles on board, get it to your bloodstream faster. I like to think that describes Uh me. Not not too sweet, not too bold. Not too sweet, Mm -hmm. not too bold. So yeah, we are going to get in to Jessica Sidman and start talking about DC's 100 best. So I... Let's start with the start here because we want to talk about the list. But Jessica, you give us a little bit about your background and what qualifies you to put this whole thing together in the first yeah, place. Yeah, what qualifies yes, you, Jessica, Jessica wow. Simmons? Okay, I'm on the spot. That's right. <laughs> well, um, I will say it's not just me. There's a team of four of us um, who put together this list every year, um, except for the last two years we've been on a pandemic hiatus. Right. But we're back. Um, but I have been writing about the DC food scene for more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at Washingtonian now for six years, six oh my and God. a half years. Isn't amazing? Yeah, um, and you know, like my job is to eat out a lot, or part of my job. Um, so I, I like to think that. I and the rest of my team like have a sort of context that mm-hmm. maybe the average person doesn't have because um, you know we we are lucky enough to have an employer who um, who pays for our meals so that we can remain independent and and um, and really experience the full range of what our dining scene has to offer. Well, so let's kind of talk about that. Like, how does the top 100 work, I think, you know, especially in the restaurant industry, there's all these myths, right? Like, well, this is how this works. And this is how Tom Seatsman works. And this is how Ann Limper works. And Jessica Simon, like, you know, there's all these myths out there about how these things get put together. Can you like sort of demystify it a bit? Sure. Well, I think what's really special about our list is that we do revisit every restaurant on the list every year. Um, you know, we're not relying on an experience we had like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's so important, especially now because the pandemic has changed a lot. Um, you know, restaurants have reinvented themselves with different concepts and, and just the experience is different at a lot of places. Well, um, so basically we have this hu- huge master list that we start with um, really, really in the summer. And we, um, you know, include, you know, pretty much all the places that have been on the past list, the, you know, last year or two, plus 
you know, any promising newcomers, other, you know, old favorites that we think need another look. Mm-hmm. We divide it all up and we all visit um, the restaurants. It's a lot of eating out, mm-hmm. a lot of miles, a lot of calories, a lot of money. <laughs> oh, how you must suffer. Um, <laughs> no, well, but, yeah. but listen, don't say that. You know this as well, uh, given what I do. I mean, listen, we we do eat a lot of food and we do eat a lot of great food, but sometimes we're not eating really great food. Well, let, let me jump in with a question because, okay, go ahead. It, you well, know, the show's called Foodie and the Beast. Nikki knows her stuff. I'm just, with, I represent the great unwashed. <laughs> How does a restaurant make the list in the first place? Because most of the restaurants appear to be really they're they're downtown or very close to downtown. Tony Conti, uh, Inferno Pizza is 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 on the list out in where is he Gaithersburg or mm-hmm. Germantown, but he's a a top chef from downtown who happened to go to the Burbs to do his thing. I mean, Where's your question? how do you get on the list? I guess in the, on that master list in the first place. Well, at first, I guess I would disagree that most of these are downtown. Yeah, I think it's well spread out. And I think it's a pretty wide range um, from, you know, Rockville to Centerville to Darnstown to, you Agreed. know, all over the DC region. We really, um, we go all over. And, you know, if there's some place even a little further that we think is a destination, uh, in at Little Washington, we do include that as well. But basically, you know, we visit all these restaurants and then we get together and we argue and argue and argue. Um, and, you know, yes, it is kind of an impossible task to compare, you know, a place like Pineapple and Pearls to a you know, dim sum right. restaurant like A&J. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how do you go about, like, how do you categorize, especially because, listen, the the uh, the landscape has changed greatly, not just because of the pandemic, but really in the last 20 years with the event of pop-ups, food trucks, ghost kitchens. I mean, there's so much food out there in different ways other than, you know, sitting at a table and eating. How do you sort of work all that in and then, categorize it because i feel like that's hard right. well we want we want the list to represent the full breadth of the mm-hmm. dining scene and you know when we're talking about mm-hmm. um ranking we're really you know asking ourselves the most basic question mm-hmm. which is where do where do we want to eat right um and we're looking for the places that are the best at what they do mm-hmm. whether it's you know, they're just trying to make the best pizza. They're not trying to, you know, you know, take over the world, like horse tasting menu or something, but they, they have the best pizza. Like that deserves to be near the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Um, It was frankly, and and when we get stuck, Mm -hmm. we just say, okay, like this place versus that place, where do you most want to go? Literally that's, you know, what is it? That's what it comes down to. What is the food? that's the most memorable that you crave that you want to tell your friends about that you can't wait to go back to, Um, you know, and yes, it's a little bit of an intangible thing. You know, I think it's funny when people complain about it being subjective, like, yeah, quick question. The whole point is it's subjective and right. you don't have to agree with us. Like we encourage people to disagree with us. I think that's part of the fun of it as well, well. I think for a while there, there was a thought process that like 
sometimes you specifically, and I know you've heard this before because we've discussed it, but like sometimes things would show up on the list just to cause, you know, well, tempers to flare. Do you feel like you're, you do that? No, no. Like you're not provoking no, not. people, right? Uh, well, what would you, I'm curious what you would consider, uh, you know, I don't think we're, we're out to like cause controversy, you know, by we, the very nature of what you do, you're, you're, you're what we think is are the best places to eat. Right. And I think sometimes people, um, are shocked when it's not the Michelin star place, which by the way, you know, that's who a knows different list. The heck is, is coming up with that list, right? They're all anonymous. Like mm-hmm. it's a tire company. You know, like <laughs> I would trust 100 best way over Michelin. Oh my God. Are honest. we throwing down a gauntlet, Jessica Simmon on Foodie and the Beast? Listen to I'm you. Just gonna, I'm just going to get some drama started but, this morning. Well, let me know? jump in because the list does include, it used to just be sit down places. And now you've got carry outs, you got pop ups and food trucks in the mix because they become. Mainstream. I feel like know. I just said that. I know, but I mean, so so, how many food trucks can you possibly visit? I mean, how many restaurants are there in the DMV? Well, you know, we can't visit every single no. restaurant in the entire region every year. Mm-hmm. But I think we do look at, like, the places that people are talking about, mm-hmm. the places, you know, we get tips on, you know, like, you got to, you know, this place has a new chef. You got to check it out. Um, I think, you know, just in the course of the year, we get an idea of which places are going to be contenders or not. And okay, Jess, like, we're wait, not I got to put a pin in that. It's not going to be a contender. Um, so, you know, we, we got to pick and choose a little bit. Okay, and, Jess, uh, Jessica, I got to put a pin in it. We got to take a break. When we come back, let's dive in a little bit in the actual list, like who showed up this year and who's missing. This is David and Nikki Nellis talking about the 100 best in Washingtonian with Jess Sidman. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, so anybody who knows me knows that if it's sports, I will watch it on TV, except for cricket. I don't do cricket. But I love going (laughs) to watch my sports at Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. It's fabulous. They've got 21 TV screens down there. Uh, They've got a great selection of beers The food is terrific. They've got a dish called the Crazy Big Nachos that is exactly as described, and a Detroit-style deep-dish pizza that's just nuts. And there's nothing like watching a game, stuffing your face with a bunch of people that are enjoying it just like you are. Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. If you love sports and you love fun food, go there. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Dave and Nikki Nellis, and we have the seer of Washingtonian on, um, uh, Jessica Sidman. One she, of them. One of them. She doesn't want to uh, diss her she partners uh, in crime. The, the Washingtonian's uh, top 100 very best uh, restaurant list has been published, mm-hmm. uh, and we're talking about you know who's on the list. Now we want to talk about specifics. So you have your top 25. You used to categor- You used to number the whole list. Is that still happening? Because the way we see it online, yeah. Yeah. It's, so is because it looks like the top 25 and then alphabetical. Is that right? right. Is so, that what it looks like yeah, in the in publication? Past years we have ranked all 100. This year we decided we would only um, rank the top 25. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think part of it is also, you know, still um, coming out of the pandemic. And, sure. you know, it, it, it's, we, will, we want to be generous to people. And I think, um, you know, when you rank someone like 85 
and it's maybe not as much of a an honor for a rush. Well, right. I'm going to tell you, I think it's an honor for all the places to be on the list because yes. there are so many places, so many restaurants in this region. But um, we decided, you know, 25 is the way to go. Easing back in after not having done the list the past two years, we may bring back the full ranking in the future. But can I tell you, Jessica, so years ago, years and years and years ago, like when I was first getting into the business, this woman came to my house, like the kids were little, and uh, she was going out for our anniversary dinner. And she picked a restaurant. I I think it was Kincaid's. And I was like, oh, I was like, huh, what made you pick that? She said, well, I looked at the Washingtonian list and it was like 36. So I figured it was still good, but it wasn't really expensive. I was like, that's fascinating. I was like, that, like, you know what I mean? But like, think about how the layperson uses Washington. It's not people, you know, like me, you know, I use it in a totally different way. But like, it's interesting to hear how the layperson who, you know, maybe doesn't go out all the time, but uses the list as a way to really gauge what's happening in the D.C. food, wine and hospitality scene. Yeah. And I think in the past, the list has been more geared toward special occasion Mm -hmm. restaurants. Um, But we really made an intentional effort to go beyond that because there are so many places uh, that are more casual that, you know, Mm -hmm. you can go for breakfast or, you know, just like a quick bite that are still worth highlighting. Um, well, let's talk I mean, about that. We still them. have a lot of special foods and restaurants though, as well. Right. So let's talk about, like, to you on the list, what are the ones that you're like, I'm glad they're on there? Like, give me your, because, I mean, I know you had right, to deal with. the top ones we know about. But who, for you, was it really important, made it to the list? Oh, gosh. Um, you know... Let's see. Let's let's start with Happy Gyro, I okay. guess, because that's maybe one of the more casual places that's ranked quite high. It's mm-hmm. number four. Um, I know, but it is Johnny Monas. I mean, it is a Johnny Monas property. Right, right. He had a, you know, fine dining restaurant, Comey, mm-hmm. which was one of the top restaurants for many, many years. Uh, tasting menu closed during the pandemic, and they converted to this kind of Greek deli style carry out with um, pita wrap sandwiches and pizzas and mozzarella sticks and ice cream. Um, And, you know, just every single thing you got there, it's the best. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's important to have a place like that super high where, yeah, it's just carry out, but uh, it's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. I also love... um, you know, having Inferno Pizzeria super high on the list mm-hmm. um, in number Tony six. Conti. Because, yeah. Because I think it is the best pizza in this region. And there is a lot of pizza. There is now. There is now. A very, very competitive category. Um, and we. So what is really it about like Tony's it. Pizza that makes it so great? Because there's a lot. You know, there's it's, timber. It's, there's the whole. Little... It's a whole experience. The menu is very, very small, first of all. There's mm-hmm. just a few appetizers. Um, you know, it, it was one of those – it's very simple food, just prepared perfectly. You know, I I had uh, like a leafy green salad with a vinaigrette, mm-hmm. and I was just like raving about this salad. I was like, there's nothing in this salad but a vinaigrette, but it is amazing. 
Um, I got to be honest with you, though. A really good salad is so important as I mean, because I think so many people think of salads as like a throwaway, a lost lead. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, But really, yeah, no, the pizza. I mean, it's just that that perfect combination of the, the crackly and the soft and the sauce that's just the right amount of tangy and sweet and the cheese and the toppings and um it's all uh, good all right Jess, Jess, we have to, we we have have to, to wrap to. you up so tell me please where we can find you on instagram and uh washingtonian online yes um you can find the the list on washingtonian.com mm-hmm. um also please pick up a hard copy it's on newsstand support your local journalism Subscribe, um, I, and you can find me personally at J Sidman S I D M A N on Instagram and Twitter. Great. Excellent, thanks, Jessica. Thank you for joining us this morning. It's a great list, and there's so much to chew on in there. So thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Great. All right, Kate Dandridge. Kate, this was so yummy. Great, delicious. Dangerously delicious. But I want to talk to you about your your whole point. You said the group gets together and everybody you invent. Um, And we're familiar with that. Our son is a bartender as well. Mm -hmm. So you know Sammy. I do know Sammy. So what do you, I mean, you're kind of like mad scientists sitting around going, let's use ketchup. Yeah, no, really we are. And, you know, having that gap of being off work during the pandemic really let a lot of scientists kind of stay at home and do a lot of chemistry. Mm -hmm. So even our bar program right now, we're not juicing fresh citrus. We're actually using a product called oleocitrate where we take the citrus that would be inside of a lemon and lime and we make our own citrus juice based on the ratio that it would be for like a liter so we can get the only other being in the world doing that is god i know right yeah yeah but we're really trying to like you know diminish our bar waste and make sure that we have a sustainable product that that is consistent throughout the year so but that i mean that sort of flies in the face a little bit in what's happening nationally with, you know, sort of everybody juicing their Fresh own juice. and making their own bitters and blah, blah, blah. So, yep. but you're going in a different path. Yeah. Uh, one of our main problems with citrus is that after about eight hours, it loses all of its vitality. It's got so much acid in there, but one of the acids that's present in both lemon and lime juice oxidizes really fast. Mm. And so you end up with this product that kind of is limp and lifeless after a while. But what we do is we take um, these peels of the citrus and we let the acid sit on those peels and draw all the oils out of the skin. Mm-hmm. And then we blend all that up to its finest, most minute particles. So you get all that lovely citrus in there. And it's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it's got a long shelf life. And it taste test, everyone liked it 100% better. Isn't so, that amazing? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. really sciencing this stuff. So, so what's your cool. next drink? What are well, you this doing? is a sciencey one. It's called the Love Potion. Okay. So this is a drink for Ooh, the greenhouse. Nikki, the love Potion. Yeah. Watch out tonight. So, I know, right? Um, this is a little Wait, bit. Of, how long does it last? That's what um, I want to know. Doesn't matter. Uh, your use may vary. Um, matter. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my pocket. Okay. All right. So this one is um, kind of a play on a classic daiquiri, um, and the daiquiri is actually introduced to DC by the Army Navy Club um, in DC. So it's kind of special to D.C. Mm-hmm. But this one uses 10 to 1 um, white rum. But we've infused butterfly pea tea into this. Mm. What this is is it's um, a sweet pea. And the, the color of the flower is gorgeous and violet. Yeah, it's like 
Uh huh. And when you dry it, it infuses the color into other things, but it's really unstable. So the second you put it with a citrus, it turns into this gorgeous pink. So it goes from purple to pink, and it's just so beautiful. And we just we love the presentation of this. It almost looks like um, it's got like a little beaker, and then you sort of pour it in. So you do actually look like a mad scientist. Okay, can you do me a favor yeah. while you're making? Uh huh. Am I doing it over here? Of so course. Yeah. 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 That you would be great. You mentioned my favorite Muppet, me Beaker. Okay. Oh, you know him too. <laughs> so, all right. So we're gonna move on. We're still talking about look the how Jefferson. quickly the show degrades. I mean, it's so fast. I am here right. purposefully to degrade it. Okay. Yes. okay. So our next guest is also from the Jefferson. He's Fabio Salvatore. He's the executive chef at the Jefferson Signature Restaurant, the Greenhouse. Welcome to the show, Chef. Hi, chef. Hello. Hello. My pleasure to oh, be oh, here. Listen to that beautiful be voice. I love you. I love you. <laughs> so um, your 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 menu is billed as a kind of American cuisine with. Italian and French. No, you're starting at the wrong place. No, I'm not. Yeah, because the restaurant changed when you came in, correct? It was something else. Yes, it was a a different concept. Right. So you came in, you were not there when it was Plume, or were you there when it was Plume? Okay, so when you came in and we're launching the greenhouse, what was the idea and concept that you guys were looking to launch? So, probably with the greenhouse, what we are. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't mention the old restaurant. Well, you don't have there. any institutional history, I so yeah. I know so it. So, with the greenhouse, we are. Uh, uh, it's a different concept. Uh, yes, it's, a, it's still it's a fine dining, but we do uh, we do uh, change uh, a lot of the menu. Mm-hmm. Having uh, um, we work a lot with uh, seasonal menu, seasonal ingredient, uh, most of the time organic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do uh, we do have a lot of influence of uh, Italian and French cooking. Uh, that's why here today I brought uh, two appetizer, mm-hmm. two of my most favorite appetizer. One is the burrata. Mm-hmm, that actually uh, we will find in the testing menu of uh, Valentine's Valentine's mm-hmm. menu. And the other one is the San Daniele prosciutto, twenty four months. Mm. So I would like to explain a little bit about those two dishes, please, uh, because kind of. Uh, also, spring will be greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So the burrata, the burrata comes from. Uh, this is a burrata that uh, practically has 100 uh, percent grass-fed whole milk coming mm-hmm. from Italy mm. and made here in US. And uh, on top of that, we have the uh, we have the Ocetra caviar. The reason why I put Ocetra caviar is because. To contrast the creaminess of the burrata. Well, plus the salt, right? Yes, like the, and yes, the way they'll yes. come together. And then the saltiness, the special saltiness of mm-hmm. the caviar. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can, and also the roasted red beet. Red beet, why? Why? Because I do think Valentine's, and I think the color represents Valentine's Day. Well, let me ask you about your burrata because there's yes. burrata, and then there's burrata that really is yeah. has become mozzarella. Mm-hmm. So where do you get it made? Oh, uh, this is a, it's a, it's a company that is New York, mm-hmm. but they do, uh, like I say, they do bring uh, uh, the milk from uh, Italy mm-hmm. and, uh, and they do process. Do they have little old ladies making Yeah, old ladies, really? yes. It's an Italian, it's, it's an Italian it family. It. It's an Italian family that uh, moved to US and they still do the way how it's done in Puglia. So that's why I call it Puglia Burrata. Puglia is uh, translated as Puglia, yeah. where the Burrata born. Mm. In the town of Andrea, oh, so it. they really do the burrata the same way. That's something we didn't know. That's great. Done. Also, we have a saffron in this uh, dish. Why saffron? Because me coming from Abruzzi, uh, we do have a lot of saffron. We do cook with a lot of saffron. So right. I thought to give uh, a nice color to the dish and uh, make the whole thing make a little bit luxury, like kind of remembers 
give me the idea of the Jefferson Hotel mm-hmm. with the greenhouse inside. Excellent. Okay, Chef, on that point, we're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis. We have caviar in studio. Yay. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And Kate. We're celebrating Valentine's Day yeah, early. Yeah, Katie Dandridge from the Quill at the Jefferson Hotel. So we're not really deviating from the chef yet, but just made this beautiful drink. Let's mm, see. It's a love for Let's show. see if it, well, you better watch out. <laughs> Maybe you better watch out. Mm. What do you think about that? I only hope. Okay. <laughs> Poor baby. My goodness. Tear me up. All right. Okay, so, so Chef, you talked about the burrata and the caviar. That's a very luxurious yes. dish. Um, but let's talk about the menu. Like, you also brought this beautiful um, charcuterie platter. Yes. Um, let's talk about that because that's, you know, that could be something people could come in and have, you have an amazing wine list, have a great glass of wine and something like For that sure. to eat. So can we talk about that and the experience yes. at the greenhouse? So uh, this is one of the, uh, I think, my favorite appetizer in the greenhouse. Mm-hmm. So here, what do we have? We have the San Daniele Prosciutto mm-hmm. that is aged for 24 months. And this dish also reminds me again Italy because we start from north with the prosciutto. Then we go to Veneto with the Obriacone cheese. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Liguria with the Tajasca olives. Mm-hmm. Then we go to south of Italy uh, with the Pomodoro. Dove la Toscana? <laughs> yeah, but wait a so, minute. Isn't that Sardinian flatbread? Are we in Sardinia? Yeah, yeah. Sardinia? I'm going to go there. Okay. Yeah. We are just so in Sardinia. We are in the south with the tomato jam. Uh-huh. And then we go to Sardinia mm-hmm. with the carasau bread. And then we finish with the pecan and walnut that comes from center of my region. Mm. So this kind of represents a little bit of... I, I have a consumer's question yes. for you. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously restaurants are set to, I mean, they're, they're built to make money along yes. with everything else. Does the, I mean, if we come in, if somebody comes in and they just want to have a great glass of wine and some burrata and the charcuterie board, is that like, does everybody, like, like you know, they're taking up table space? Is no. Is it only at absolutely the bar not. you can do no, that? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. I mean, because some folks because, are but, not. I mean, I think maybe what would be great to explain is the hospitality of the greenhouse, right? I mean, we're, we're seeing that with uh, Katie and Quill, but also for you, Chef, and you, uh, Meredith, talk about, uh, right, Meredith? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Did David say your name when we started? Did I? Yeah. Okay, great. Just making sure. Um, I had like a moment. Get an name. Right? Well, um, at your age, you know. Okay. So, um, but there is a hospitality that is uh, apparent throughout the hotel, and it is because it is the Jefferson. So can we just talk about that a little bit? Yep. Um, so I'll chime in here. So the Jefferson, yes. um, we're a boutique luxury property, and we also have these two great restaurants, the mm-hmm. Global Bar and Lounge and Greenhouse. Um, very inviting, welcoming, homing. Um, so you can come in and have the burrata, you can have the charcuterie and a glass of wine, and you'll be Taking elevated care. Even just doing that, mm-hmm. um, you can come in and have a full ten course meal if you'd like to. Right. Elevated doing that, um, and come into the bar and have a great cocktail. So, um, does chef chef do you make a menu for the bar? Is there a yes, little, we do little bites menu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We have uh, a nice selection of uh, dishes, appetizer, and main course, mm-hmm. charcuterie. Uh, you know, uh, from fish to charcuterie to main course, we mm-hmm. do have. Uh, a very nice selection at the bar, and you can enjoy a beautiful charcuterie. You can you can enjoy a nice uh, uh, fettuccine, mm-hmm. fresh pasta with a nice uh, uh, bolognese the bolognese sauce that actually is well, the most. Talk about pasta. how hard it is to do because because pasta, yes, al dente pasta is so, so hard for people. It ends up coming in either 
like a rock or like library paste, and it's it's only somebody who really maybe knows that's what, only when you make it. No, no, when I make it, it's al dente. Okay, be quiet. Okay. Anyways. Well, it takes a little bit of train. I know it looks uh, pretty simple to cook uh, a bag of pasta in the water, but mm-hmm. uh, actually it's not. And like Italian food, it's all about execution and the quality of the product. So again, when we buy the pasta, we should buy a high-quality pasta with uh, a very good flour, grain. Uh, Whose and, pasta uh, do you buy? We, we buy uh, the Checo. We buy... Mm-hmm. Uh, we also... We have, I will say the Checo because the we most, because Czech it comes from, uh, yeah. uh, also again, from my area. Right. <laughs> so I'm oh, proud. I'm really <laughs> proud of that. So it's an Abruzzo pasta. You got it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but yes, but when you cook the pasta, it's uh, always keep in mind to keep uh, a little bit less in the water and keep more into the sauce. Mm. Like those two, three minutes cooking le- less cooked in the water, it makes a big difference like the final result. But actually, to your point, I think you're finding now more and more recipes for pasta are recommending taking the pasta out of the water much earlier Mm -hmm. and putting it in the sauce and, you know, taking a cup of pasta water and then letting it cook in that sauce, which is, I mean, once I learned that trick like a couple of years ago, I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this wrong for so long. It's life changing. You're absolutely right. Actually, now that, why there is a, a different uh, a specific method called risottare, risotto, but it's about pasta. Mm-hmm. So practically you almost cook or finish the pasta like a risotto. Like mm, you cook exactly. the pasta as much as al dente you can, mostly into the liquid and into the sauce. Mm. Then instead to cook for so long in the water. I love it. Chef, um, thank you so much for bringing in everything today. I want you to know that that Sardinian um, flatbread, the carasau, yeah, that is my kryptonite. I... <laughs> Can't, I have no control. I feed her that right before oh, I, I give her these I, drinks. I have plenty. <laughs> I mean, plenty I love, we love it so much. It's so, like, it's so simple, but so yummy. Yes, it's perfection. Really. Yes. So thank you for My coming pleasure. in today. My this pleasure. is terrific. To um, okay, let's go back to Kate, Katie. Katie. Yeah. Katie, so this love potion is pretty fabulous. Great. I see where you're going yeah, with it. Most I certainly. like it. I like it. So now, are, do you work with Chef when it comes to, like, for his menu, like for cocktails or like with things, like are you always like, ooh, I like what he's doing there. I'm going to take something from it. How do you How yeah. do you collaborate? Food definitely inspires us at the bar. Um, I will say that mostly we collaborate with techniques with the chefs. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of amazing equipment in our bar, but it's just how the heck do I use a $3,000 whipping machine? So, you know, it's those kind of questions. You just whip it good. I mean, you you try not to break it mostly. So that's that's the main kicker right there. Oh, I got a question about mm-hmm. who, who does the one who. Who's in charge of the wine list and all that? Yeah. You guys, or you have obviously you have a psalm. So, um, well, she's a wine expert. We well, don't really have really. a psalm currently. Um, I do have a psalm certification. I am a certified. So, I did get that certification uh, about twelve years ago. <laughs> so, when you were six. Yeah, when I was six. Um, yeah. But uh-huh. so, are you involved in that? And yeah. what goes on in the wine cellar? Um, every once in a while, I'll give them some ideas about what wines to bring on by the glass. But we have a pretty amazing. Um, French guy, uh, Sebastian Lulon, and both our, uh, our F&B director, Crystal Hewitt, um, they both, they do a great I job putting together. Sebastian Lulon. I know, isn't it fantastic? Bon but I also I have to imagine that yeah. over the years that you guys have collected a we pretty had, fabulous wine cellar. We have had some absolutely amazing sommeliers um, and wine directors, past and previous. I mm-hmm. mean, um, David Metz and, um, you know, uh, 
I mean, really, I, we were, we're so lucky that we were already given such a beautiful wine list and a beautiful cellar. And sometimes I look at these and I'm like, wow, I can't believe we have so many 82 Bordeaux and just what All a right. stunning list. That's so, good to know. What's yeah. the next drink? That's okay. Yeah. Well, the next drink is a little tequila because we're going to turn up the party just a little bit. Okay. This one's really fun. It's very balanced. Um, tequila usually um, and lime juice are just this match made in heaven. But we like the seasonal Asian pears. And so we decided mm. to make an Asian pear syrup with this. There's an Ancho Reyes Chili Verde in it, so it's got this lovely green note to it. Apple bitters. um, And so it's just kind of an elegant elegant and elevated margarita kind of style. um, But really different. Cheers. Now, you're going to talk to Jessica Rose about the spa. Well, I mean, you can talk to Jessica Rose too. Wait, wait. Go ahead. Complain. Go complain. That what was the the post office pavilion, mm-hmm. and what it was the hotel is now awesomely the, the Waldorf Astoria, Washington D.C., which is so cool. Well, it's really cool to have that property here in D.C. I mean, we have these elevated properties like the Jefferson, and having a Waldorf Astoria here just speaks volumes to the growth of the city. Um, so I had the pleasure of going in and doing a spa day and getting a tour of the spa and seeing its execution in uh, real time. So Jessica, I'd love for you to talk about sort of the spa experience. DC is not really known for its spa experiences and you guys are really looking to change that narrative. Yes, that is correct. Um, We are trying to kind of make it a little haven within the bustling city of DC so Uh that everyone can come in and really relax and unwind and receive these different types of treatments um, besides just a massage or a facial. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about that, though, because what to you, you've been in the spa industry for a long time. So what do you feel the spa experience should be when somebody goes to your spa? Like, what is the experience? Walk us through it. Well, I think it really is to completely relax, take your mind off of everything, to become unplugged, which is really difficult to do these days, mm-hmm. um, to really reconnect with yourself and um, have the experience of being in that complete relaxation to from the moment you walk in where you are greeted by our phenomenal staff that is welcoming you in, offering you a glass of champagne or hot tea, um, having you relax in one of our private cocoons that you can pull a curtain closed. Can we talk about those cocoons? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so you go, so I'm just going to walk people through it a little bit. So you come in, you're graciously greeted, you're taken into a locker room, you're given a robe, you get changed, and and there is a beautiful steam room in there because I love the steam. And then you're taken to this sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yes, relaxation sanctuary. And there's like these pods that are, I've never seen anything like that, you know. They are built ergonomically, if you will, um, so that it fits the shape of how your body should be in a Mm -hmm. state of relaxation. And then it does have curtains that you can... You haven't seen the pod that would fit how my body should be, but go ahead. And uh, you could pull the the curtain closed so Mm -hmm. that you have complete privacy. Um, We've also seen couples... Share a little cocoon as well to now fit side, side, okay. by, side, by side, side by side, side you by side. You can't both fit in there. We've we've we, seen it happen. I'm sorry, I volunteer to try. <laughs> okay, you could try with somebody else, not with me. <laughs> Wait, I have permission. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All great. Right. Oh, 
Okay, so we go into the pods while we wait our service. And let's talk about some of the services that you offer. Because you said it's not just a facial and a massage. That is correct. So um, with some of our services that we're offering, we do have our rest, renewal, and balance rituals Mm -hmm. um, to create more of the wellness aspect in mind. Um, So you are given a self-guided hydrotherapy service between our uh, Himalayan, our Himalayan, I'm so sorry, (laughs) our steam room and our uh, rain showers. And while you're going through that process, you're then um, sent over to the relaxation sanctuary. You're provided a tea that is specifically made for which ritual that you did choose for the day. Mm -hmm. Um, From there then you are taken over to your service, and then it ends with the Himalayan salt room experience. So who came up with all this? Is this something, I mean, is this process something that you developed, or it came sort of a package concept already from the Waldorf of, say, in New York? Um, so it was something that I created. Um, once we, It's like me. <laughs> I did it. This is um, me. So with the with the help of, obviously, the team, um, I wanted the team to be oh, involved. Stop giving credit to the team. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to have to stop you. We have to take a quick break. No. Absolutely. Okay, yes. When we come back. I don't want to. When we come back, Jessica's been massaging my face and making me look really pretty. <laughs> so cool. um, this you. is I'm David and Nikki Nellis. We're going to the spa. <laughs> we'll be back so in just a second. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to the fabulous Jessica Rose, <laughs> who is director of spa at the Waldorf Astoria, Washington, D.C. She also has a great name. Oh, thank you. Jessica thank Rose. you. Rose. <laughs> that sounds like two first names, actually. <laughs> yes. Um, um uh, so let's talk about the hy- – you were talking during the break about the hydro wash, the facial. The hydrofacial. Yes. So that's a really popular that thing right like now. That like a car wash. What is that? It, it is a really popular thing. So that is actually performed with the hydrofacial MD. It, it is a, a machine. Mm-hmm. So um, simple terms, it's taking the bad stuff out and putting the great stuff in. Do you have guys in there? Or is it yes. mostly women? It, we do have quite a few, quite a few gentlemen will come into the spa. Yes, and spas that, aren't just for women. No, I know they're not. I've been to us, but I'm just wondering down there if, if like, you know. Yeah, I, I we have a know. good, we have a really good mix between the two. And mm-hmm. I will say, Jeez. for uh, the men coming in for facials, the hydrofacial is the most scheduled facial service for for men. Sign me up. Okay, okay. so what is so like? I had a 90 minute. Facial. Yes, you have the Which red really carpet. Extravagant. Yes, the red carpet lift and contour facial mm-hmm. from Natura Bisse. And that is also a very results driven facial. So- well, right, because one of the things for me personally, I'm not, I'm not, I know people would be surprised to hear this. I'm not a spa person because I'm a believer in getting results from any, any sort of activity I'm doing for my face or body. So, like, I believe in lymphatic drainage. And doing things that will have effect. Do you know what I mean? I don't need somebody to, to like. I don't I need believe to, in music. No, but like I don't be, like I don't need to relax. Like that's not a necessity for me. So what I want is a results-driven treatment. Yes, something that like I'm going to see results from. So and with that red carpet lift and contour facial, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of the best of both worlds. So there is the results um, after, but it's also very relaxing. So Mm -hmm. we have an incredible esthetician staff that knows how to execute results, but then also make you very incredibly relaxed. I don't 
feel like a hydrofacial is the most relaxing service, but having one from our team, it's it has put me in a whole nother world. Mm. Let's, uh, if you're out there listening to this, let's. The question must be, what does all this cost? Oh. Are there packages that you can do? So or? there, there are packages, but the majority of services are a la carte. Okay. Um, now, if I come in for the hydrofacial, how much is that? That's it. It depends. Um, anywhere oh, from now, from Rose. You know, I mean, two hundred to five hundred dollars, right. depending on. But how long does the, the whole the thing time. take? I mean, it's, so we have a thirty-minute hydrofacial up to a ninety-minute hydrofacial. Mm. The ninety-minute hydrofacial will also include lymphatic drainage as well as LED light therapy, which is fantastic for. Mm-hmm. That's like the mask I wear. And so every what, day. when I walk out of there, <laughs> what's going to be different about my already beautiful face? Oh, well, I mean. No, I mean. Uh, d- d- can <laughs> she I already see? told you. She's going to take the impurities out and they're going to put right. good stuff in. That's what's going to happen. Oh. And you're going to have a rosy glow because you actually had somebody massaging your face and you had your lymphatic okay. glands range. This is for, you know, the meatballs out there mm-hmm. who might still want it. And what about like for couples and stuff like that? Because that salt room yes. is pretty fabulous. The salt room is fantastic. Can we explain it for those who don't understand what a salt room is? So we have a, a little cove uh, that has benches, pillows, and blankets as well that is fully made of Himalayan salt. Mm-hmm. And within that, once you're in the room, we actually turn the system on and it um, produces the salt particles throughout the air that you're breathing in. It's fantastic for your respiratory system. So a lot of people are really looking into this right now oh, that's um, cool. due to everything going on in mm-hmm. the world, um, as well as very popular with athletes. Um, mm-hmm. So after it's um, you can. I mean, they say that you can run a lot longer um, and that your athletic performance is better through that. But it also helps with your central nervous system. Very calming as mm. well. And why Himalayan salt? Is that better than somebody else's salt? No, I'm curious. they're like the Himalayan pink blocks. Yes, yeah, the Himalayan so. pink blocks. I think it's better than just your table salt. Average <laughs> salt infused with iodine, Sounds maybe. Cool. Um, and so, But is that something a couple can do together? Because it's quite a – I mean, it's – it is like a little cave, but it, it can seat multiple people. Yes. So it um, it can actually seat four people. Mm-hmm. But we have incorporated that within our couple's experience. So if you do come in and get a couple's treatment, um, mm-hmm. which we have a few different ones, you can also include the couple's experience onto before or after or both before and after if you like, mm-hmm. um, which you'll have the couple's suite privately. Uh, for 30 minutes, and then you also have the Himalayan salt room with that experience as well. So with the couple's experience, you are also receiving chocolate-covered strawberries, a glass of champagne, Mm -hmm. and within that area is a private relaxation area and a dual rain shower. Oh, cool. Is anybody in there with you with the dual (laughs) rain shower? Is it just the two of you? Just the two of you. So it's all privately. Um, so how many services overall do you offer? Is it constantly changing? It is constantly changing. So we have a, our you know set menu that is online at uh, WaldorfAstoriaDC.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we do also have our seasonal treatment menu. So depending on the time of year. Valentine's Day, cherry blossom season, yes, et cetera. All of those. It does mm-hmm. change. So if you are interested to see what is coming up, please do check the website. Excellent. Oh, my God. It sounds – we should go – I should go I, back. I you should come back. Yes. I should go back. I yes, want to issue please. one disclaimer. <laughs> okay, go ahead. We've been married more than 26 years, but some things 
never change. You can't help it. That's just how it is. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we're going to go do the couples thing. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, okay. baby. Very okay. excited. All right. Yeah, um, we'll see about that. Okay. <laughs> so let's go back to Katie. Yeah. Katie, every one of your drinks is it's awesome. Really terrific. Thank you. I love, um, I'm not a, I like tequila. Uh-huh. It's not my go-to, yeah. but I love a kick I and a drink. I drink a bunch yes. of those. It's yeah, that's really the suave poivre on the menu, and it is just so luscious. It's mm. one of our newer bartenders actually created this, and it's one of the first drinks he created. And he's like, is this good? And I'm like, this is delicious. Well, this one will kind of sneak up on the, the yep. interesting thing about all these is that they'll sneak up on Well, you. yeah, of course. We're bartenders. Yeah. We're I mean, magicians. It is a drink. Yeah. What do you think? No, because a lot of drinks are just, you know, I mean, it's almost, you're drinking almost like a kerosene taste. Yeah. And uh, all of these are nicely done. So well, we'll see how you do with this next one. It's a little bit more spirits forward. Tell um, us about it. This one is called Ashes to Ashes after my one of my favorite David Bowie songs. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a Bowie fan. Okay. Um, so this one is really strong. Um, it starts off with Johnny Walker Black Scotch, um, Lille Blanc Vermouth, um, some Grand Classico um, Amaro. It's from a Switzerland-based company, and it's really bitter and lovely. Mm. And then um, to add a little smoke layer to make it really interesting, um, I've infused the Lille Blanc with Lapsan Souchong, which is a smoked Chinese really smoky. tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that pre- provides like a really smoky base for it. And then it gets topped off with a little Peychaud's bitters with a little salt in it. Of you in a lab with the big black black yeah. lights on you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So do you um, do you have like space behind the bar to maintain all these products, or like mm-hmm. are you honing in on Chef's Kitchen? I have Is a little chef, bit like, of Chef's kick Kitchen. You out? Is he like get out of here? Sometimes. I mean, we only have one kitchen for the whole restaurant, so right. we do have to kind of make use of all of our space. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really creative behind the bar, and we try to make sure that we really keep it nice and tight. Um, but we have a little bit of room for experimentation back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do like infuse our own bitters like I have and uh, made our own vermouth kind of things. And we're actually working on a barrel-aged cocktail for our next cocktail menu. Well, the Quill and the Greenhouse, mm-hmm. it's a must-visit. Yeah. And the spa at the... Waldorf Astoria sounds like a must visit. Absolutely. We're going to be busy the next couple yes, of weeks. Yes, we are. All right. Well, you want to wrap up our show? Yeah, I, I do want to take credit for one thing because last week I did a rant about why Germany and the U.S. weren't sending Abrams and Leopard tanks to Ukraine. Obviously, somebody's listening to the radio show because <laughs> they're doing that, and I think that's great because yes. we have to support those folks. And just connected, um, there's an article in Vox, V-O-X, today that tells you how you or a group of friends can essentially adopt a refugee family. It doesn't have to be a Ukrainian family. They're refugees from hotspots all, all over the world. But it's about a $2,600 expense, and it includes an apartment and food and job uh, interviews and all the kinds of stuff that those folks need when they come here. So get off your butts, take a look, and maybe help some folks. Okay. And we want to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio today. As you heard here, like you hear every week, there is so much to do in this fabulous city. So much great eats, so much great drinks, and so many activations that you can do to participate in all the fun stuff happening here and around the city. Go to the listareyouonit.com, the online e-zine that tells you about all of this and more. Tune in on Thursdays to Industry Night. Uh, We are now on YouTube, so you can watch the entire show. And of course, David and I are here every Sunday um, at 11 on 1500. Follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, just a reminder out there, with Valentine's Day coming up, Super Bowl coming up, Mardi Gras coming up, there's all these things and holidays and happenings out there. And it is busy out there. Just remember to take your kindness pills before you go out. Staff shortages are still real. 
and everybody is trying their best out there. So just be nice and have a delicious week. Mm-hmm.